one, one more announcement before we get started as you come back and find your seat. Um, I wanted to, to mention this. Uh, many of you know, as we announced last week, uh, that Dang Fook, uh, many of you know Dang is in the back. Uh, we just found out that uh, his, his family has been approved to come over to the U.S. Uh, they're currently living in Nairobi, Kenya. And Dang is such a huge part of our community. Um, and we decided uh, for Easter this year, uh, we are going to be taking a, a special offering uh, to, to fund our, our elders fund to help Dang get his family here. And, uh, and so uh, we're going to be helping just get plane tickets for Dang. He has a wife and two children, um, and they're going to be coming over probably in July. And so we've uh, created this elders fund. Um, you can go onto our website, and when you're giving, you could designate an Easter offering. Um, and we're also going to be taking just that special offering on Easter, but that goes into just helping Dang get his family here. So if you have any questions, uh, you, can, you can talk to me about that. We're super excited for Dang. Um, the, the family got approved like a week ago, so this is all new, uh, and uh, super excited to just join him in this story. Um, I want to open up with, uh, with Psalm 23, and it's a psalm that is familiar for you, even if you uh, don't really have much of a church background. It's a psalm that's mentioned quite often, and it goes this, like this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a poem written by a boy who would become king maybe 3,000 years ago, and it communicates this message about the identity of God as one of a shepherd, a good shepherd. I wanted to think about that today as we're reading through the gospel of John. And we started this gospel as we started the Lent season. And we just the idea was to read through it. Uh, we had a journal that you could go through daily devotionals. And we've been looking at these different chapters. And we land on chapter 10 today. And as we turn to chapter 10, this kind of narrative identity of God found in Scripture reemerges, that of a good shepherd. And so as I read John chapter 10, I just want you to think about just some of the language that Jesus is using here. John chapter 10, verse 1, says this. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters, the gate, who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. And therefore Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. 
All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to still, steal, and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And the man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know the sheep and the sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it back up again. This command I've received from my father. It's a big chunk of scripture. So we've been going through John. What we find is Jesus, his teachings seem to be much longer than maybe the other gospels. And he tells this story and he picks up on this language of being a good shepherd. Maybe my favorite line is he talks about how in this world there is a thief that comes to kill and steal and destroy. But he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. We talked about how the gospel of John, written by this man named John, and the purpose of this gospel was so that those who are reading may know that Jesus is the Lord. that He's the Messiah. And that in the name of Jesus, we may have life. So we've been reading story after story as John starts to describe what Jesus is like. And I found that when it comes to what we know about God, knowing who God is changes how I follow him. And I find that the more and more I know about Jesus, the better Jesus gets. And we've been reading through these passages, learning more and more about who Jesus is and what he's up to in this world. As you read the Gospel of John, what you'll find is that there's these I am statements that appear. There's seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, and this is one of them, this I am the good shepherd. And John's trying to communicate something to us about the character and heart of God through this line. I am the good shepherd. Shepherds are uh, this metaphor that's used throughout Scripture. We'll find it in the Old Testament all the way in through the New Testament. I love this story about these two shepherds. They were in a field one night. The sun was setting. They were coming to the end of the, a work day. One of the shepherds said to his buddy, how's it going? How's it going in life? And the other shepherd said, oh, it's not good. Not good at all. Having trouble paying my bills. I go home. My house has a whole bunch of things I need to get done. House is falling apart. My health is failing. My kids don't respect me. And I'm pretty sure my wife's going to leave me. The other shepherd, as he listens, said, well, certainly hope you don't lose any sheep over it. It's a bad joke. Every time. <laughs> bad joke. That was a dad joke. Like, 
This idea of shepherding, though it's found throughout Scripture, and in fact, all the way back, the story of Genesis, Adam and Eve have sons, Cain and Abel. What we find is that the identity of Abel is one of a shepherd. Very early on in the story, this is this occupation, this vocation of, of shepherding sheep. And as you kind of know the, the, the terrain of where so much of the story of Scripture takes place, you'll find that God's people are, are, are shepherds. This is a, a very kind of hilly, rocky uh, country that they're living in. It's not really great for an agrarian culture like the rest of the Fertile Crescent, but, but God's people are shepherds. They have sheep. We find the story of Joseph, Joseph in the coat of many colors. You know, him and his brothers are out shepherding sheep, tending flocks when that story goes down. Then they go to Egypt, and, and what we find is that when they're in Egypt, the Egyptians, uh, they're kind of snooty. They say, we don't, we don't associate with shepherds. Shepherds are lowly in society. On the other underside, they're lower middle class people, and the rest of the culture around them kind of look down on shepherds. And we find King David, the one that wrote Psalm 23, is a boy shepherd. This boy shepherd who becomes king, this fascinating story of how out of nowhere he, he kind of rises to the top, this great hero, this great king. The Christmas story, we have shepherds that when God starts to reveal that he's entering into this world, he meets these shepherds who are tending their flocks at night. And the angels announce the coming of the Savior. But the shepherd language that is found throughout Scripture uh, has great meaning. What we find is that because it was so prevalent to their world and, and, and the work of God's people, that the idea of a, of a shepherd became this. It was... It was, uh, it symbolized this royal caretaker of God's people, this royal caretaker. So what, what would happen is that it, the rest of the culture may look down on it, but for them, this was so much a part of their life, and they understood what a shepherd does for the flock. And they started to realize that as human beings, we're not so different than these sheep, and what God does is he shepherds us, or, or what our kings do is they, they shepherd us as humans, and so there's this royal caretaker, this identity of what it means to be a shepherd. This language is found throughout Scripture, and as Jesus starts to talk about this idea of him being the good shepherd, what we find is he's also commentating on something, this narrative about his identity, one who shepherds people. He's probably specifically commentating on this passage in Ezekiel. If, if the shepherding Language is found throughout Scripture to describe God's relationship with his people. There's this passage that takes place in Ezekiel 34. And it's one of the, one of the prophets in the Old Testament. And there's a warning here about the way that the people are being led. In Ezekiel 34, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. And prophesy means this idea of basically telling the truth of what's really going on. In this context, it says, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. So here's the problem. Those who are shepherding Israel, it says, woe to you because you only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, which sounds really gross. You eat the curds and you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals. 
but you do not care for the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the loss. Search for the loss. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep have wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one has searched or looked for them. Those who were supposed to be leading the people have used their position of authority and power for their own personal gain. And Ezekiel's saying, there's a warning to you because you've neglected the weak. You've refused to take care of the sick. There have been those who have strayed and have been lost, and you have not cared enough to pursue them. There was this breakdown of what these people who should have been leading were doing. And so what we find in Ezekiel is there's this anticipation that the language that is being used here, God says, because of this, I'm going to shepherd you. I am the shepherd in your life who will look out for you, who will watch over you. And there's this anticipation that this would come through Jesus. As Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he picks up on this language and he starts to say, I am the good shepherd that you've been anticipating. I am the one that will watch over you. I am the one that will protect you. And we know that this good shepherd is one who can be trusted. Jesus is picking up on this language. He's this fulfillment of the anticipation of God's people. One who would come, not to take advantage of them, one who would come to use the position of power to care for the weak, to seek the lost. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This I am statement is powerful as it reveals more about this goodness of who God is in this world. I want to look at four qualities that we know of the good shepherd that we find in this passage in John. The first quality is this, that the good shepherd knows the sheep. Jesus says that I know the sheep and the sheep know me. It, it implies that there's this relationship here between sheep and shepherd, between us and God. There's a relationship that is intimate, to be known. The shepherds in this time, probably today too, those that would tend the sheep, uh, what we find in, in, in Palestine, in this area of the world, that the shepherds would have this unique relationship with the sheep. It wouldn't just be like uh, the shepherds who might be in other parts of Europe or here in the U.S. that, that we, we raise livestock just to be slaughtered, to be used. But the shepherds in this culture would know the sheep intimately. They would, they would spend all day and, and night watching over the sheep. They would have names. The sheep would become friends. It tells us uh, that, that they would have different Phrases they would use to call sheep different, different things that represented different characteristics about the sheep. So if one sheep had brown ears, they would call it the brown ear sheep. If one had black hooves, they would call it black hooves sheep. They knew the specifics about each sheep. And at the end of each night, the shepherds would examine the sheep, trying to figure out if there's any injuries, if there's any ailments, if there's anything that they should look out for with the sheep. They would know which sheep were born weaker, which ones were born stronger. They would know what sheep were prone to wander, the curiosity of them. They would know everything about these sheep so that they could better shepherd the sheep. And this is the kind of knowing that God has with us. He knows our name. 
He knows our tendencies. He knows our weaknesses. He looks out for us. There is this intimate relationship where the God of the universe, the God who has created everything, almighty, all-powerful, majestic, omniscient, all of these different ways to describe the indescribable, meets us on this personal level and knows us by name. The good shepherd, the quality of the good shepherd is one who knows the sheep. And Jesus knows the sheep. The second quality is that the good shepherd leads the sheep. The good shepherd leads the sheep. This practice of shepherding, this vocation of shepherding, in the context of what this was written, not much has changed to this day. I was reading a a scholar who went to kind of walk the land of the Bible, and he wanted to, to see just the land that this great story was written in. And he came across this shepherd who was shepherding out uh, in kind of the hill valley. And he, and, he, and he started to just kind of watch the shepherd as it would lead the sheep. And he noticed there was something really unique about the shepherd. Is that the shepherd would actually move ahead of the flock. And then he would call to the flock. And the flock of sheep would follow the shepherd. And he said it was such an interesting call. It sounded like it wasn't something human as he cried out. And I don't even want to attempt what that would sound like. But the shepherd would call out, and the sheep would know the voice of the shepherd, and they would follow the shepherd. I thought that was, that was amazing. I mean, we think of like, you know, that's something a dog can do, maybe a horse, but, but sheep. To have that intimate of a relationship that the sheep would just respond to the voice of the shepherd. And I think it's the same way as we think of God as our good shepherd, is that, that he leads us. As we spend time in community, as we spend time in his word, we hear the voice of God in our life, and it guides us. It guides us to greener pastures. It guides us to still waters. It guides us to protection. As we spend time in this relationship with God, this God who knows us so well, we're led to the kind of life that God desires for us. This quality of the good shepherd is one who leads the sheep doesn't abandon them, leads them. The third quality, the third quality is that the good shepherd gives his life and protects the sheep. And you think this this has to be one of the most mind-blowing things about this whole story is that these shepherds would be willing to risk their lives to protect the flock. And we know this because the story of, of David King David, when he was a shepherd boy, there's stories about how he would defend, defend the flock from bears, from lions, maybe tigers, I don't know. I mean, all sorts of wild animals, right? No, but these different beasts that David would fight off to protect the sheep. And you would think, why would a human do that? Why would a human care enough to give up his life to protect this flock? Well, a good shepherd would. A good shepherd would know these sheep are vulnerable and that the good shepherd would be stronger than anything that could be, come after the sheep. And in the same way, we know that God lays down his life to protect us. This is the story, the good news of the gospel, that this shepherd, this good shepherd that we have in our life, all of the things in this world that seek to destroy us, this thief that wants to kill and steal and destroy our lives, the ramifications of brokenness in this world, the sin that attacks and corrupts our soul, we have this good shepherd who is willing to lay down his life to protect us. 
this shepherd who is willing to take the punishment of all of the destruction to the cross and to die. We want to know what the, the love and the goodness of the good shepherd is. It's this. It's the cross that Jesus would lay down his life for us. And through his death and resurrection, we experience life that is truly life, life that is eternal. Sometimes I have a hard time grasping why God would do that. We know that he does that because of his love. He's a good shepherd. The fourth quality is that the good shepherd, the good shepherd gives life to the sheep, but it's not just life, it's life to the full. It's life that is truly life. I love this language, that life that is not just any kind of life, it's life that is eternal, life that is significant, it has eternal value to it. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. What does this mean? I don't think it means that life's going to be easy. I don't think that it means that life is just going to be completely everything we expect it to be. But it means that this shepherd who knows us, who leads us, who lays down his life for us, gives us the kind of life that is truly life, the most significant kind of life, life that is eternal, life that is eternal. I find this interesting because I seek life in all sorts of different things outside of God. The source of life, the things that fill me up, I'm constantly pursuing them. Things outside of God that we seek life in always leave us wanting more. They never truly fulfill. They never truly meet our needs. And God is leading us into the kind of life that is truly life. A life that isn't just about me and my world and my empire that I'm building, but a life that connects me to the eternal kingdom, life that is truly life. I think all of us seek life in different ways. Uh, I think one of the things that completely drains my life is my schedule. This need to perform and be busy, this need to uh, be seen, this image that I try to uphold coming out of a season of extreme busyness in my life, going to grad school, having four kids, planning a church, playing on a basketball team, there's constant go and go and go. And what I find is that my identity is wrapped up in all these different things that I do, all these different things that I pursue, and it's exhausting. It drains me. I don't know what it is for you that you seek life in, outside of God. For me, it's my time. I came across this article a couple of years back and continue to return to it because I think it's fascinating about how I seek life and things outside of God. It's called the Anti-Psalm 23 poem. And it was written by Marsha Harnick in this discipleship journal. And I thought about this as I thought about the life that I seek and the life that God offers me and how I seek life outside of it. It says, the clock the clock is my dictator. I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when I'm exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. And even though I run frantically from task to task, 
I will never get it all done, for my ideal is within me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. Can I get an amen? My inbox overflows. <laughs> Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life. Think of the different things that I desire to find life in. Sometimes they aren't even like the worst things, but they're things outside of God that I pursue and I'm left weary and exhausted. But this good shepherd who knows us, who leads us, who protects us, says, come to me and you will experience life that is truly life. John 15, one of my favorite passages in scripture, talks about this idea how God is the vine and we are the branches. And as we remain in him, as we abide in him, we experience life. Without that, there's nothing that we can do. We're always left exhausted, wanting more. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and I offer you life that is truly life. One of the fascinating things about this passage in Ezekiel 34 that I think that Jesus is responding to is how the passage ends. And those early people that read this passage, especially those Pharisees, would have understood this language of Jesus being the good shepherd. Ezekiel 34 goes on to say this, For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. And as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I, I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered. On a day of clouds and darkness, I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them in the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements of the land. I will tend them in a good, I will tend them in a good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing, my sheep, and have them in the land, and there I will feed them in rich pasture, the mountains. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. It goes on to say, I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. And I will make them in the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season, and there will be showers of blessing. This beautiful language, this anticipation that this good shepherd is coming into the world to do this for our lives. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The more that we know about God, the better he gets. Today, so we spend some time just reflecting on this passage of John chapter 10. We have to ask the question, what do you think about God? How do you know God? Who is he to you? Have you considered that he's this good shepherd with these qualities? Do you listen to some of the cultural lies about God, that he's absent, that he's harsh? 
Or do you believe that this God shepherds us as a good shepherd would to his sheep? Where are you at with your understanding of God? And then secondly, if this is true of him, it means that God wants to give us life to the full. He wants to restore our soul. What do you need to do today? Or what do you need to stop doing today that would just allow God, as the good shepherd, to restore your soul? So Tim's going to come back up, and we're going to spend some time just reflecting on this passage. And each week we, we take communion here at Desert City. And the communion represents, I would say, this third quality of the shepherd. This shepherd who lays down his life for the flock and protects us. This, commun- this communion represents that sacrifice. And as we move to communion today, we understand that these elements that we take are symbolic of the shepherd who protects his sheep and gives life that is eternal. So we take a piece of bread, we break it open, it represents this body of Christ that was broken open on the cross. We take a cup of juice, and it represents the blood of Christ that was shed on the cross. The breaking open and the pouring out of this body, the pouring out of this blood, this good shepherd lays down his life for us. And all of the things in this world that corrupt our soul, all of these things in this world that seek to destroy us are defeated. We remember this, and we proclaim this. As we move today to the communion table, who is God in your life? How do you view him? My heart, my prayer is that your heart would open up to Jesus today. This good shepherd who watches over you, that you would meet him today. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for this this author who wants to reveal to us more about who you are. That we come to understand who you are through Jesus. And in the story about shepherding, Lord, we come to know that you are a good shepherd, the one that we anticipate. There's so many different ways that we exhaust ourselves. There's so many different things that we pursue There's so many other voices that we listen to. Today we want to hear your voice as our shepherd. That you would guide us in truth. That you would protect us. That you would lead us to green pastures. That we would know that you're a voice we can trust. That you would meet us today. Lord, I just pray your blessing on this community that you would restore our soul. That as we hear your voice, Lord, you would give us the words of life that is truly life. We're so grateful for your protection, your sacrifice. We're so grateful for the life that you offer. Lord, we give you this time and we ask you to speak. In your son's name we pray.